everyone. Quick update on the Mind the Product conferences before we get started. So the conferences in Hamburg and San Francisco this year, to ensure no unnecessary risk to the community, Mind the Product are going to be taking the conferences online. And while we can't announce any of the speakers just yet, I can tell you that one of them is my newest, biggest girl crush. So you can try and guess who that is. <laughs> we can also say they are either a past or a future podcast guest, but <laughs> no more than that. Okay. Uh, one other thing, we try and keep politics out of this podcast, and it's been a really tough year for everyone. And for me, as an American living in the UK, it's been tough to watch the events unfolding across the country back home uh, this past week. So for, before we jump into this week's episode, I want to ask everyone listening to think about one thing. We joke a lot about how product people have all of the responsibility, but none of the power. But we have a lot of influence in things. We have influence with our teams, with our company's policies, and in the things we build and maintain. So my ask to you this week, please take some time to reflect and think about how we can make the world a little bit better every day. And to provide some inspiration, perhaps, and certainly boundless positivity and warmth, our guest today is Elena Astaleros, Agile Coach Extraordinaire. Elena doesn't just practice Agile, she embodies it. And we hope you enjoy this wonderful interview and learn a bit more about how to facilitate and lead great meetings. Yeah, the conversation was amazing. And so is Elena. Let's get to it. The product experience is brought to you by Mind the Product. Every week, we talk to the best product people from around the globe about how we can improve our practice and build products that people love. Visit mindtheproduct.com to catch up on past episodes and to discover an extensive library of great content and videos. Browse for free or become a Mind the Product member to unlock premium articles, unseen videos, AMAs, roundtables, discounts to our conferences around the world, training opportunities, and more. Mind the Product also offers free Product Tank meetups in more than 200 cities, and there's probably one near you. Elena, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Uh, for anyone who doesn't already know you, can you give us a quick intro? Yeah, well, my name is Elena Stilleros, and I started the technology field as a quality assurance intern. And so I got to see all of the bad assumptions and bad behaviors fall into my lap at the end of a project. <laughs> In 2008, I learned this wonderful thing called Scrum. I became an evangelist. I saw programmers turn into a team culture, and I've been facilitating ever since. However, I have this super secret history Back when I was in my 20s, I was a community organizer. So I got to learn how to facilitate oh, wow. and move large groups of people who are oftentimes very stubborn and very much hit clashing against one another. So I've been able to take all of that facilitation skill and bring it over to te the technology and to business and to enterprise and create big, better, amazing products with it. Wow. Yes. <laughs> so, so before we get into the the actual stuff, uh, there's a question I've wanted to ask every guest that we've ever had, and I never had the chance to ask before. So if you could have a superpower, which would it be? Would it be flight or invisibility? Oh, my gosh. It would be invisibility. And do you want me to tell you why? <laughs> Please. Yes. Oh, 
I would love to just sweep on by people and put like hundred dollar bills in their pads or just like move things around and just like all of a sudden this like, whoa, magic happened to me. And that would make me so excited and so happy. <laughs> okay. So that feels like a parable of, of where we're going with this whole thing. Um, it sure does. So you wrote a book and one of your key things in it is as being a, a great facilitator is becoming invisible. And But you're the person standing up in front of the room. So how does that jive? How does that work? Mm. Well, it is you're the person standing up in front of the room because you're holding the boundaries. You get to say, where do we want to go? What do we want to do with our time? And what will make success? Why are you here? Then you just let yourself go back and relax and let your team do the work that you want them to do. Because especially in the product world, how many product leaders carry the weight of the world on their shoulders mm -hmm. and are thinking about everything <laughs> and are moving big boulders all by themselves. That cannot happen anymore. We have to let our teams lift up those boulders together so that way we can do bigger, better things. So the book is called Invisible Leaders. Yes. Um, and then it has this amazing strap line, which I'm just going to read because I don't normally read stuff from the book, but <laughs> I, have, I have to this time because it was just <laughs> so cool. So it's facilitation secrets for catalyzing change, cultivating innovation and commanding results. Yes. Which is just amazing. Like, so... <laughs> So where, where does this all start? Like, how do we catalyze change, cultivate innovation and command results? Yeah, well, I mean, the first thing of commanding a result is making sure you're clear on the results and making sure that everybody you're working with are also clear on the results. Again, going back into the product world, how many times have we created products that are not what we wanted and because we weren't clear? So you command results with clarity. Mm. You catalyze change because you allow people to feel eager and excited to move around and get their ideas out. You're exciting them. You're making them want to do the changes, want to go with you on this journey to an unknown frontier they've never been on. And so that they're going to they're going to play with you. And then the uh, cultivating innovation is you're creating that space, being a leader who gets rid of all the friction, who gets rid of blame, who gets rid of all the sabotaging pieces that, that we see in the workplace. People are naturally innovative. How many folks, you ask them about something and they know 10 different ways to do it better, but there's friction in their way so they can't do it. So those three things, the format of my book teaches you skills to use meetings to allow all of that to come out. So would you describe facilitation as almost like setting the culture for the meeting or like what's your definition of, of a facilitator? That's such a good question. So um, I don't know if, you know, we were speaking, it's, we were speaking about Spanish. Facil in Spanish is easy. <laughs> I love this. So in my dictionary, a facilitator is someone who makes it easy, plain nice. and simple. Oh, yeah, that's so great. Okay, I so really like <laughs> but but where do where does easy start? Where uh, it's is it just I walk into the room and I set a tone, or where do I start by mm -hmm. to to create a good setting for a meeting? Okay, the absolute first thing that you've got to start is with your mindset 
and with that foundation that you built. And I'm going to tell you the shocking study that some of you may have heard it in your Psych 101 class. Some of you listeners may have heard it. Play along with me because I'm taking it somewhere new. So the study goes, there were a group of students and they were divided into three groups. The teacher was told group A were the superstars of the of the class, that they were above and beyond average, they need to be challenged, watch out for them, they're going places. Then you had your control group, and then you had the third group who, these are your troublemakers, these are not good students, watch out for them. They're, um, they're, they have lower than average test scores. And unbeknownst to the teacher, this was all random. This was just picked out of a hat, whether you were an A, a B, or C. However, (laughs) if you think about it, what do you think that bias is going to do? At the end of the study, group A did amazing, did way better than average. The control group stayed about the same. And then the the shocking piece is that the third group did worse. Their scores lowered. They were misbehaving. They they, They weren't behaving well. So where I'm taking this is as a facilitator, where you want to start is set your bias. You have bias anyways. Set your bias that you are working with group A. And every single person is group A. Whether or not they're group A, whether or not other people said they're group A, doesn't matter. Your opinion and your mindset matters. And if you can if you can learn that piece from this interview, holy moly, you're going to see just, just explosions of results come out. Are there things we need to do before we even walk into the room now? Yes, I wouldn't say need. Okay. Um, product professionals know there's a million things you can do to do a great product. You're not going to do all of them. However, your customer interviews are kind of like your bread and butter, right? So, so you you look for your bread and butter, and one of the things first that mindset, like foundational, is your mindset. Then there is a set of prep, of pieces of prep, and I talk a little bit about this in the book. Actually, I have a whole section on it in the book. <laughs> and the one piece that I would recommend, that's the bread and butter. And I took this, well, leaders took this from the product world. It's basically you're taking your customer interviews and you're applying it to the people in your meetings. And you're okay. basically checking with them. What does success look like? What do you? What are we creating here? Do you know what our mission is? What are you worried about? And when you get clear on that, People, they're doing something that's called priming. So their brain is already working on solving problems before they've come into the room. And once they come into the room, they know exactly what they're up to. They feel heard. All of the garbled, all of the noise has been, has come out. And then you could start, you could just get into business. So you ask these, you ask these questions before the meeting starts. Yes. If I want the meeting to be amazing, I absolutely do. Yeah. If uh, if there's no time, then you don't do it, right? Sometimes you don't get to interview your customers the way you want to. So, however, it, the more amazing you want to make something, the better it's gonna it's gonna turn out. And I think you had some really good tips on invitations to meetings as well, and um, because that's quite often the first thing people will see is like this thing land in their inbox, and it's like maybe like you know, project X catch up with like yeah. no agenda <laughs> and 20 people in it. And it's for an hour yeah. and a half. <laughs> and it's because I said so. You'll find out in the meeting. You have to come. Yes. <laughs> so this actually, 
I borrowed from the wonderful Priya Parker, and she has an amazing book you can follow up, but this particular tip I got from her article called, We've Got to Stop Meeting Like This, Tips from Our Better Workplace Gatherings in the Wall Street Journal. And what she basically says is, you set that meeting context and you set how people are going to react from the, from the moment you send out an email and an email invitation. So your invitation invites can sound like status meeting, or they can be, let's kick but in sales, yeah, you know, it, it, whatever it is, whatever challenge you're tackling, let's beat the bots. Let's uh, keep our customers safe, meaning, and then just inside, be respectful enough of people's time so that they can start negotiating, first of all, whether they want to be, even be in that session. And second of all, what so that they know what to bring to that session, put in a quick description. It could just be sentences. I put a lot more in my book as to what you could add. However, just be respectful. Let individuals know what they're up against because they'll give you so much more. That little investment, especially if you have 20 people and it's an hour and a half of their time, that little investment will pay off big time. Yeah. So you've done all the prep and everyone's ready. They know the context. They've done any prep that they need to do. And then they walk into the room and and now it's even more complicated because they don't walk into the room. They dial into the call. Um, yeah. <laughs> how do you start from there and, and set the context and make sure that everyone feels involved, that everyone's ready and that it's not one of those sessions where it's like, okay, we're all excited and now someone's just going to talk at us for 20 minutes and tell us what they've already decided. Yeah. Ouch. That That is so painful. And it's it's one of the most painful things we see in sessions. How do we start and get the big bang going and allow team members to shine? Okay. So the first thing you want to do is make sure that everybody's connected and they know what they're here for. Whether it's a daily 15-minute stand-up or a daily huddle, you can quickly say, okay, Let's get together, whatever you want to say, just to set that tone. Um, the second piece is make sure that you yourself, and this is something I really recommend, that you yourself are in a space that will allow your team to create coherence because whether or not you're in person or you're remote, people can feel your, people can feel your energy levels. And mm -hmm. as the person who's leading a meeting, you are the most infectious person of the whole room because our emotions are infectious. So if you're distracted, if you're blaming people, all of a sudden it just deteriorates the <laughs> session. Uh, I'm taking Luke for granted. Thank you. <laughs> so of those two things, um, there's more, again, there's more in the book. Uh, but I think having setting the context from the beginning, you you did it with the email. You you remind at the beginning of the session what you're here to solve, and then the second piece is you go through and you make sure that you are able to facilitate the solution. Mm. And you talk about the different stages of meetings um, mm -hmm. and the kind of behaviors or the. Uh, I guess the energy within each different stage. Yes. Um, so, so if you're setting the tone at the beginning and I guess like holding that space, 
then how do you move it into the direction that you need it to go and then close it out nicely? Okay, well, every meeting has its own its own heartbeat. And I'm going to go ahead and just talk about so maybe a workshop where you're there to solve a problem. You're there to do a work breakdown or you're there to ideate on what how to solve a customer problem. Actually, we'll do that. We're going to talk about ideating to solve a customer's problem. So ideally, you've sent out the email and it's exactly everybody knows exactly what they're up for. Then you've set the context. You've reminded them what they're there for. And now you can go ahead and use the tools that you already have. Use, give everybody um, their keyboard because now we're remote and allow them to interact and solve the problems that you want them to solve. So give them a question. Now, like you said, I have it broken down into the way I, I follow theater and great events. Theater and great events have three common items. They open strong. Boom, you have you have the opening number that just t- everybody knows what you're up against. So you are the opener. Then you have the middle where everything's building out. So now you're giving the questions to your team. You're letting people write down this, whatever their ideas are. You're starting to move things. Luke Homan has innovation games and they are phenomenal to do that middle part. When you are at the middle of a session, one of the best ways to get the most information out of them is at the middle, say you are at the middle. We're about halfway through our time. And then the brain kicks into high gear because it's like, oh my God, we need to finish. And this was the outcome. Let's all drive. And believe it or not, your team goes into group flow and they start working together. And there's even more productivity because that deadline is now moving them towards the outcome. And then the final piece, as I mentioned, is you have a great finale. So you want to tie all of this up in a bow. And it sounds so funny because I'm, I'm talking about a workshop, a 15 minute. I'll tell you how to do it in a 15 minute daily shuttle or Please. whatever. But let me just tell you, in, in your tying with the bow, you're basically going back and saying what you did. You're acknowledging the work. You're acknowledging where you were before and where you are now. So that way mm-hmm. you see the hard work and what it took. And then you're talking about the next steps. Beautiful. Everybody's, it closes all the loops. They don't have to think, oh, did we need to do anything more? They know what the next steps are. And you could do the finale. You could follow up with the finale in an email later. So as long as you're just, you're closing everybody's mental loops. That's Okay. That is super interesting. And then there's like three things I want to ask you off that, but first ah! of all, but, but once it, uh, I've been watching old movies, uh, old movies, movies from my childhood, so from the eighties and nineties, with, <laughs> with, with my son uh, while while we're locked up, and it's funny because the the uh, the movies from like the last ten years, they open up and they go straight into it, and then mm-hmm. maybe then there'll be a logo, and there's no credits, there's no opening song or anything like that, and the older movies all have the same, and he's so bored in the first three minutes of the movies when is it going to start yeah. and it sounds like we we're used to meetings that have that format and you, that opening bang what you're doing is like what how movies have evolved over the last 20 years right right because our attention has evolved like yeah. because there's more data for us the our quality levels are higher so that's the same with meetings there's more mm-hmm. needs of on our time we require higher quality in our meetings so you talked about the the big bang at the end of the meeting and getting to that conclusion. 
sometimes I've had meetings where we don't get to that, but I still thought it was a decent meeting because we elucidated the problem better. We brought out divisions, we brought out disagreements or uh, uh, unearthed assumptions that were Mm -hmm. wrong. Is that still useful from this perspective? Okay, so from this perspective, I wanna actually take a step back further and talk about who are we ultimately doing it for? We're ultimately Mm -hmm. doing it for our customers. So the question then becomes, is it would the customer, if they were looking in on that, that session and seeing what you were up to, would they feel that their money was invested well? <laughs> I love None that. None of my question. meetings ended in that way. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <So. laughs> because as, as uh, Sam Walton says, our number one boss is that customer and he'll fire yeah. us whenever or she, he, she or they will fire us when we don't when we don't work it and every yeah. single meeting that we have is an investment of our customers time and money that is so good um randy i'm glad you're writing down he's just writing yeah. down the timestamp of like quote this section um okay so what if we're not running a workshop and we are running just like a 15 minute stand up is it you know do the same rules apply or um do we take a different approach the same approach applies if you want to make it stand out. Do the same rules apply? Of course not. There's a lighter investment. Absolutely. You're not going to be like, okay, everybody. And what we're here to do is talk about what's coming up and what we did and where we're going and readjust. You're not going to say that every time. However, you're going to, if, if I'm a, if what I tell my scrum masters is they are setting the energetic pace for the day if they're doing a 15 minute huddle and they they get to just hold their group in that space in that energy whether again whether it's in person or online the way they speak the way they're getting to the point and the way they're respecting everybody's time and hey good morning let's get right to it you know we know what to do let's go is there anything that's in the way before we get to it that's your start Okay. Yeah. Uh, hey, we have uh, five minutes left. Uh, can't, do we need to shift anything around or does anything need to change? Okay, there we go. And then, all right, this was great, great conversation. We really worked through that piece. That, that was really good conversation. We needed to have that. And it was really good that everybody was here. So boom, you just closed it. And now we know where we're going. I feel like I want to be in all of your meetings. <laughs> <laughs> I just want you to know mine. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so but what if everything's going wrong? Or what if you're just not feeling it? Like if you're nervous or you're just, you know, you've booked this meeting, but actually you're a bit unsure about it. Like what can you do in that sort of situation? Or just if it's, you know, other people are kind of sabotaging it and the energy does feel wrong. Okay. Well, the first thing I want to go back to is, as I said, setting that context, we, we want to know what we're going towards. Because if you're nervous, and you're not sure what you're going towards, then that nervousness has all the feel in the world to get take over your whole being. And when we're clear on what we want to create, then that nervousness, we can put that in the corner, say, okay, we'll get to that later. And, and focus on the greater good. Now, the other piece is when you're getting clear at the beginning, you start asking yourself questions like, what's going to get in the way of that success? 
So what will get in the way? Maybe going down a rabbit hole. Maybe me being nervous. What can I do when I start feeling nervous? How will I know I'm starting to feel nervous? And what can I do? Okay, I know I get nervous because my hands start fidgeting and my shoulders get tense. Okay, what can I do? I remember what I'm here for. Or I can ask somebody a question so that I can regroup. So you do that beforehand. So you are clear. And again, the bigger the meeting, that's where you do more of this investment. And over time, even in your 15-minute meetings, you start feeling, you start getting a rhythm for yourself. I actually, in the book, wrote, watch movies because you start to understand how you feel if you watch movies with the intention of, okay, when, when this is invoking nervousness, when I'm watching a horror movie and I'm nervous, what happens to me? Okay, now, mm. now that I know what happens to me, <laughs> I can know in a meeting, oh, wait, this is that nervousness. This is, oh, 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 I got it. Okay, now let me go back to what I'm here to create. Because what I'm here to create is bigger than my my own mental speak. So that's one. Mm. The second thing you can do is to ask the questions. Hey, how do you think this is going? Ask the group questions. And again, you're you're out to create something. You're not out to validate yourself. Your validation comes somewhere else, but here you're creating something. So ask them what's going on here. Am I, what are we missing? Just try to negotiate and figure out what it is that try to try to have the group figure that out. Or if there's somebody that's really dominating, take a break, have a conversation with them. Mm. Hey, what's going on? Hey, can you help me? I, asking someone to help you is like this magical thing because people gen, are actually very generous with helping others, even if they kind of hate you. If you ask them to help you, <laughs> they'll oh, help you. I've seen this so many times in my life. I'm like, whoa. Yeah. So. Okay. So speaking of difficult people, mm-hmm. um, you know, this is obviously not referring to people like Lily and myself, because this has never, never come up for us. Never. But for people who aren't naturally very good at this, people who start off uh, dominating meetings and and uh, just not fostering a good environment, is this something that they can learn? Have you seen people really change or is this something that's innate? Do you have to have a – obviously you can refine it, but do you have to have a natural uh, aptitude for being a facilitator? I have the greatest story for that because in my book I talk about Jack and Mariana. And Jack was actually modeled after someone. He was modeled after a leader who I, and you know, like I went into his meetings and his jaw was cutting, it was cutting paper. He was so tense. Nobody was focused. And he had this history of yelling at people. He, I, I 100% when I went back to Jack, it was all him. And then the sad thing is that by the time I actually released the book and had given the last copy of my manuscript out, I went to one of his meetings and he had become a Mariana. <laughs> and who's Mariana? Um, Mariana is that facilitator who is able to get engaged uh, engagement, who is able to get collaboration and facilitate really great sessions. So how did he change? What's the, is it something, do you have to want to, or are there certain things that, uh, besides that, are there things that you need to try? How do you do it? My theory, now remember, I, I believe everybody's in group A. Everybody is above average. They're the people who are the superstars. So my theory is that he did not have invisible leaders facilitating his growth. 
So because there was somebody who left and all of a sudden, then he became this incredible, I, I, I was, I was floored by how amazing he became as a leader and, and I'm emotional. So like I, I got tears in my eyes just seeing how beautiful it was. So I don't, I don't think there's an inclination. I think we all naturally want to lead and see great results. It's the environment and it's, it's returning to that space of I'm here to create something. And so are the people around me and I can make it easier for them. And if you, if you're mastering this and if you're doing facilitation, well, it's, it's a really kind of, it can be quite a demanding role within the meeting. So can you facilitate something and participate at the same time and do both well? Of course you can. I think exposing your bias is one of the first things that you get to make sure everybody knows about. Because I've taught scrum masters who are team members how they're going to facilitate their group and also do the work. So they're able to do it. However, they get to they get to meet with their group and say, look, I'm going to facilitate this. And you know how passionate I get here. So what can we do about it? Because then I'm not I'm not your facilitator anymore. Then I'm 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 somebody who wants to go with AWS and not with blah blah blah. So um, then it's calling out those biases. It's also I would even say giving some of it back to the team again to help facilitate. So I'm gonna get again being that person leading, saying I'm gonna be doing the work as well. So who can help me timekeep? Who can help us stay on track? Who will make sure that we get everything on the parking lot? Um, And we've talked a bit about kind of holding space. Um, Mm -hmm. So is there anything physically that, you know, when we are all back in rooms together, is there anything physically we can do that really sets the tone for the meeting? Yeah, I actually don't even think it's physical. I think you can do it remotely. In every one of my stand-ups, I stand up because people feel it. In fact, there's been a few moments, and if you don't mind, I want to stand up here and just <laughs> talk because the energy is different when I'm standing up. The energy mm. moves, the energy changes, there's a bigger space, and um, I, I'm able to move and listen to you more, and I'm able to be a lot more passionate, and uh, yeah. that's me. Everybody else has their own version, but standing up and standing powerfully makes a difference. So one of, one of the very first interviews we ever did for this podcast was someone who ta- uh, gave us the advice of stand up to present and sit down to to participate. <gasps> that's powerful. Yes, that's a good one. And that who was that? Was that Ben? That was that was Ben Newell. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say I was going to say Fort, but I was like, no, I think it was Ben. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we've been talking about invisible leadership. And how that manifests in in facilitating meetings, but when is there a time when you have to step into visible leadership? Yeah, actually, I had a leader. <laughs> Someone read my book, and he said, "Elena, the title of your book is a disaster." <laughs> leader. <laughs> he said, "Leadership needs to be visible." And absolutely, leadership needs to be visible. Setting the tone is is something that's very visible. However, if you want your team to thrive and to get do their very best, and we're talking about facilitation, making mm. things easier, 
it's a lot easier when you get out of their way and you, you serve them however they want. I mean, we have servant leadership is a buzzword for a reason. And so this is, this is actually even just removing that visibility so that they just, you create the bubble, you create the environment. So they do their best. Awesome. Yeah, that's really cool. Okay. We've got time for one more question. Um, sadly, I can't believe we've run out of time already. It's gone so quick. So <laughs> um, so just before we started recording this, you asked me and Randy, how will we know we've had a successful meeting, AKA podcast recording? <laughs> um, so I'm going to ask you the question of, do you feel like this has been a successful meeting? Do I feel like this has been a successful meeting? I think our listeners find out. So whoever's listening, was this, <laughs> yeah. was this a powerful use of your time? Did you learn anything? And if you did, put that comment, share it out to other individuals, put the comment on, on the podcast, recommend it, give it the five stars or whatever number, the top number of stars. And that's how we will know that this was worth your time. Oh, Lena, that uh, is the best answer we've had ever on the podcast. Thank you so much. Yeah, Elena, it's been so good. Thank you so much. <laughs> Thank you. This was a pleasure. This was so much fun. So we talked to Elena on Cinco de Mayo, and we were all craving margaritas. And Elena even had one ready to go for the end of the chat. And then she went and sent Lily and I margarita kits. It's amazing. I had my own last night and it was so good. Um, note to all of our past and future guests, the bar, <laughs> and figuratively, has now been set. So like and subscribe to the podcast, buy us a virtual or a real drink, and we'll see you all next week. Our hosts are me, Lily Smith, and me, Randy Silver. Emily Tate is our producer, and Luke Smith is our editor. Our theme music is from Hamburg-based band POW, that's P-A-U. Thanks to Arna Kittler, who runs Product Tank and MTP Engage in Hamburg, and plays bass in the band for letting us use their music. Connect with your local product community via Product Tank, our regular free meetups in over 200 cities worldwide. If there's not one near you, you can consider starting one yourself. To find out more, go to mindtheproduct.com forward slash product tank. Product Tank is a global community of meetups driven by and for product people. We offer expert talks, group discussion, and a safe environment for product people to come together and share learnings and tips. Mm -hmm.